What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. This is uh, a wonder, wonderful episode, especially if a lot of you guys are wanting to start off uh, learning how to build an in-house membership plan um, or even a, like a, a discount plan, right? Um, I interview someone who knows the ins and outs, the uh, like the whole operation side and everything behind it, Jordan Comstock. It's the membership effect. Members buy more because they feel like there's more in it for them and they're more committed to buy, right? And if, if you think about it on the, on the dental side, and we've done uh, studies on this all, all the time, the membership program works even better in dentistry because a lot of people understand that they prioritize their healthcare. People want to be healthy. They understand mm-hmm. that to live a, a quality life is a healthy life. And uh, your teeth, you use every day to speak, to smile, to eat. And if you're, te- if you're having problems with teeth, people are mo- more motivated to spend money on their teeth, especially when they become a member of a membership program. So that's why we're seeing the three times more revenue spent with the practice uh, when a patient becomes a member. So you get the recurring revenue and then you get even more revenue because of that commitment that uh, membership programs install in the patient's mindset. Yeah. So that's kind of two of the, my favorite things, you know, of what membership programs do to practices. And in this episode, we talk all about in-house membership plans, primarily how to create a successful membership program. And we talk about what are the best benefits he has seen a lot of successful in-house membership plans and practices use, right? Uh, What they're doing to make it successful. What are they charging, right? Their patients. Why are they charging their patients this much for an in-house membership plan? What's included? Is it just a cash discount or are you getting paid monthly? All these things, we, we dive into that. Um, we also uh, dive into how to understand the demographics. And what I really love about this episode is he gives us numbers. He's like, oh, you want to know how much you need to charge or why your in-house membership plan isn't as successful? This is the reason why. And one of the main things that I really like is Boom Cloud, right, is the name of his company. They really lean in on like the demographics and the numbers and, and the proof, right? So they do all the work and then they tell you like, hey, this is exactly what you're going to need to charge. This is how many people you're going to roughly get and things like that, right? So he also lets us know the wrong way to pitch and the right way to pitch an in-house membership plan. And he gives us the steps on what we should be doing in order to um, like successfully market it, Right. And this is something when it comes to external marketing, um, your in-house membership plans, it's something that I highly think everybody who's doing ground marketing can definitely embrace this and should be marketing their in-house membership plan. But this is such a wonderful episode and we dive into that and you guys are going to get a lot, a lot of valuable things out of this episode. If you want to go in the show notes below, uh, he does share his screen and he shows us some uh, like not slides, but like some graphics and some uh, infographics, I want to say, information about what we're talking about uh, when it comes to in-house membership plans. And it's very, very, um, he even gives us an example of a successful in-house membership plan and he shows it, shows us how it looks. So if you guys can go in the show notes below and check that out in the video. But without further delay, here is Jordan Comstock. Jordan, how's it going, man? Yo, dog, doing good, man. <laughs> it's a new, it's a new year. I'm pumped. 
I, I, I know I was right before we started recording, we were talking about like, where did it, where did everything go? Like where, where did 2021? The, the past two years, it's like, whoa, it's 2022. I thought we still were, we're 2020. <laughs> That's all like one yeah. year. It basically was one yeah. year. Like it felt like one year. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, it's been a minute. I had you on episode 115. Like when we were like, I think our second year, first year on this podcast. Sure. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. That that title, if anybody wants to go listen to it, it's called Who Else is Sick of Dental Insurances? (laughs) Fire the PPOs. (laughs) Has anything changed since then? Like, do you still feel that type of uh, way against insurances? Oh, yeah. I don't think I ever will change my mindset there because they suck and we all know it. And (laughs) um, it's actually gotten worse, you know, because if you think about, when was that? A few years ago? 20, 2019? 20, I don't even know what year that was when we recorded that. But it, it's gotten worse in regards to um, the discounts that practices are forced to take when they sign the dotted line of a PPO contract. And you, you add inflation in that. And if you're signed up with a lot of PPOs, it makes running the practice even harder than it was uh, a few years ago because of the inflation that's taking place now, it's its crazy. I think just consumer inflation is close to like 7%. I looked the other day, it was like 6.8%, you know, but then we got, then we got wage inflation that's happening in the industry. I think that I, I, I heard a, a report that it was like 34, 35% wage inflation, um, roughly more or less. Don't quote me on that, but that's yeah. uh, something that I heard the other day. It, uh, things are things are getting crazy. So if yeah, if you're partic- participating uh, with PPOs, it, you're definitely feeling the brunt of it because of the the massive discounts and the 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 discounts keep increasing. Right, PPOs are forcing more and more practices to take bigger, bigger, and deeper discounts. And in my opinion, it's no way to run a business. And if and if you think about it, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think of like the PPO partnership, and I say that with air quotes because it's not really a partnership, but it, it you're signing a contract similar to what you would do if you were in a partnership with somebody. Mm-hmm. If if you had a business partner that jeopardized your patient or customer experience, hurt your cash flow, and destroyed your profit margins, would you keep them as a partner or even an employee or fire their ass? <laughs> <laughs> Which one would it be? Fire, uh, that's man. The, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the question I ask all the time that kind of brings it into perspective for a lot of practice owners is often they think that they have to use a PPO to attract patients, which there may be some truth to that when you're starting a practice and things like that. But as you mature, it becomes a nuisance, right? It's It hurts your cash flow, hurts jeopardizes your patient experience. And and your pro- your profit margins, which are three very important things in any type of business, whether it's a dental practice or a software company or a consulting firm, whatever type of business it is, those mm-hmm. are kind of sacred components of the business. And if they're attacked, which insurance does that to these practices, that's kind of what happens. So yeah, my feelings are the, very similar to, to a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, and you're right, man. A lot has changed. That was we recorded that in 2018. Yeah. So like a lot 18, has yeah. changed. Yeah, a lot has a lot has changed, yeah. and more and more practices out there are becoming to get you. They're they're becoming more serious about cutting out PPOs and scaling up membership plans um, as the their chosen method to you know, help with that strategy of cutting out PPOs. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time to do that. And uh, if practices haven't, they should definitely consider it because of the business benefits it brings to the table, even throughout the, you know, the, I call it the, the 20, uh, what is it? What year was it? The 2020 COVID recession, right? Which you can say it's still happening. Yeah. Um, You know, when practices uh, had a, were forced to shut down, or, you know, do minimum work. Um, that was a huge blow to the industry and practices with healthy subscription revenue for membership plans. Um, you know, we're able to have that, that healthy cash flow come in even during a time when things were shutting down and it, it helped a lot of practices. So 
during any type of economic situation that the industry's put in. I've I've seen years of what membership programs do for practices uh, in regards to cash flow and revenue optimization. They're just amazing tools and amazing amazing strategy for a practice. Yeah. So like, for example, do you, would you recommend, or like, what have you seen? Would you recommend if like someone's starting out, they are already like two, three months open and they're like, man, Jordan, I'm struggling, right? Like I have a membership plan. I have all this going on, but I just need these, these people coming in. Right. And sure. the yeah. best way is for me is like, let me sign up to some PPO insurances. Should they or? Yeah. I mean, like from a startup perspective, is that, is that kind of where you're looking at? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I always, I always say, you know, it, do whatever it takes to get the, the business off the ground and cash flowing. The key word is cash flowing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I would still choose wisely with the, the PPO contracts that, that you're in with, but most likely I, so I've started a business I've been, I, before Boom Cloud, I, I, I managed my dad's dental lab, which is very similar to, um, you know, a dental office in regards to operations and market trends. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a mature practice or a startup practice, the, the, the first thing that you should be thinking about is cash flowing that business. Um, and if you can do it lean and mean, then, then go for it. You know, uh, I know with some PPOs at the startup, you know, the startup realm, um, it causes, it just causes bigger issues down the road. That is a personal decision based off of whoever's running the, the business because running and starting up a business has its, its risks um, and the, their ability to market and grow their practice. So there's demographics that are, that are so custom to a certain location, you know, and if, if you haven't done your due diligence, you know, on your location, then it, yeah, that's going to determine whether you should, sign up for every PPO under the sun or, or become a, a fee-for-service office. What I see a lot of trends happening is people becoming, uh, practice becoming hybrids where they've signed up with a couple PPOs and then attract uninsured uh, patients and even small businesses that um, have a good amount of employees and getting them signed up on the membership plan. And you see kind of a hybrid approach. That's probably the, the safest approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, um, and what I've seen out there and what most practices are doing currently. Um, so they have a few PPOs and then they, they're, they're attracting uninsured patients, uh, which is pretty standard. But then you get the aggressive practices that are maybe more mature in their maturity of, of the business. And then they start cutting out every PPO and focus on out-of-network membership type patients. So it really depends. There's so many variables with the risk tolerance, the demographics of the of the city and state that you're in. There's so much to look at there to say, hey, should I go membership only or PPO only? Right. That there's a lot in that conversation. But what I would recommend for people starting up is to be be hybrids. So that's kind of my answer there. Hopefully that gave you some clarity. No, that's good. That's good. I hear that a lot too. Like people being becoming yeah. and being hybrids. When it comes to membership plans then mm-hmm. guide us through this process jordan like talk to me and, and to the audience like how can we create a successful membership plan where we just don't tire out like you know i'm sure you've seen that a lot like some people create their yeah. own and then they're like all right we got 10 people signing up they get off this high and then they're like oh no last year we got one person and you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah i've seen that yeah how can it grow how can we make it successful yeah so there's there's a couple of stages right if you're new to a membership program and if those maybe don't know what a membership program is. Think of it as an alternative to dental insurance. Uh, it's a subscription that patients pay directly to your practice that you you know involve benefits that you design. So think Amazon Prime, but for your patients, mm-hmm. right? Where they pay, pay a monthly year, yearly subscription and they get certain benefits that you design. So that's what a membership plan is just to, if, for those that are like, I'm not exactly sure what that is. And oftentimes people do get that mixed up with a cash discount plan. Remember, there's some similarities. A cash discount plan is great, but it's missing a lot of special business components, renewals, and uh, the predictable re- monthly or yearly revenue that you're going to get from a membership plan. So, and I know a lot of practices think, oh yeah, I have a membership plan. A patient comes in, they pay X amount to get a, a year of benefits and savings or discounts. And then once they come back in the next year, we renew them, right? That is a, what we call a cash discount plan. It's close mm-hmm. to a membership plan. 
And the, the business benefits are drastically different between the two plans. So cash discounts have been around for a long time. People have been doing them, you know, forever in the dental industry. Uh, and they think it's a, a club or a membership program, which has got some similarities. Uh, the big thing is missing is renewals and subscriptions. And that's very common what we see um, in the industry. So that's to hopefully give a little bit of a definition of what a membership plan is. But in regards to growing a membership program, to, to your question, so there's several ways to grow it. If you're starting a membership program from scratch, which majority of practices are, it's still new to them, which is kind of insane to me because I've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still new to a lot of practices. So if you're starting from scratch, what you need to do is understand your internal existing patients demographics, step one, right? So you need to understand how many uninsured patients and inactive patients that you have in your practice, if you're a mature practice, or even understand the the local demographics. If you're a startup of, hey, how many local businesses are around me that most likely don't have or don't offer dental insurance as a benefit to their employees that I can start attracting and educating. But you need to understand your demographics. So you need to understand uh, even 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 down to the the median income of the city and and, and state you're in, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Those will be all beneficial in designing your membership plan. But but that's for external stuff. So we'll 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 focus on uh, internal patients first. Mm-hmm. Most practices use a, a practice management software that can give them that data, meaning they can see how many uninsured patients they have and who they are and how many inactive patients they have and who they are. That's the first, after you set up a membership plan in your practice, and what that looks like is you're, you're giving, the patient is paying a $35 a month uh, subscription or a $400 a year subscription to get benefits like cleanings, exams, x-rays, emergency exams, uh, and some discounts like 15% off of a crown or dentures and things like that, right? So Mm -hmm. you want to create the plan and then you want to start educating your existing uninsured patient base and your inactive patient base on the benefits of joining your membership program. A lot of patients think they can't see the dentist if they don't have insurance, which we all know is false. That's not the, it's, it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone can go see the dentist at any time for any reason. Um, but for some reason, the insurance companies have done such a good job at saying, you can't go see the dentist without one of our plans. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is silly. Uh, but that's, that's the first uh, step to get things off the ground. The second step is to uh, attract external and potential patients in your local area, meaning um, local small businesses. I briefly mentioned that a little bit, uh, but you want to, you want to, and you may even have existing patients that may be small business owners that have uh, employees and a staff, right? That they can, they're probably not giving some type of benefit program to dental. And if they are, it could be really, really bad if it's with some of the insurance carriers out there. Mm -hmm. So, um, and if you think about it too, the state of our, the country is an employee, employees kind of have the upper hand uh, with all the inflation and the jobs that at least I'm in, I'm in a state where I think we're, I'm in Utah, which Mm -hmm. is the number one state in, in regards to employment. It's pretty, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's amazing here, but it's, as an employer, it's hard to attract employees. Because everybody's got great jobs, great benefits, right? So especially if you're a startup, which they're in Utah, we got a huge tech scene here. There's lots of startups that, you know, they're trying to attract employees. And if they're, you know, in the early stages of, of creating a company, it's really hard. Yeah. So, but businesses everywhere are experiencing this where there's a labor shortage everywhere. And I know offices are feeling this. We hear it every day when they call in to, uh, in to check out our, our technology. One of their biggest issues they're dealing with right now is the lack of employees that they can find and retain. You know, and a lot of that comes down to learning how to attract employees, pay and benefits, right? That's why when you have a membership program installed in your practice and you're ready to promote, you can go to other local small businesses and give them a tool to retain and or attract employees to their business. So um, that that would be my second tip to continue expanding a membership program is is local small business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, attracting those guys, you know, because you know half half of the United States, over half of the United States, does not have dental insurance, 
And a lot of that has to do because over half the United States work in a small business that don't provide those type of benefits. So that's what I would say, uh, you know, second they do to, to continue growing it. You also have a segment of the market that is getting, that is retired or getting ready to retire that they lose their general benefits. Or if they go as an individual at a retirement age, you know, and try to go get an insurance plan, it's going to be really, really expensive for them. Uh, and if you think about it, those are the patients that need a lot of work done because they're aging and their teeth are wearing out and they need more maintenance. Yeah. Right. So that's another uh, way to obviously you can attract those types of patients internally that are already existing patients. But there's patients like that in your local area, everywhere you go, the 55 and up communities exist everywhere in, in most every state. I don't think I've ever been in a state that doesn't have a 55 and up community. Mm-hmm. You got places like that where you can market to and advertise to those types of people. And here's a stat for you. At the end of uh, 2020, almost 30 million Americans retired earlier than planned, meaning they don't have dental benefits. They've lost the dental benefits and that number keeps rising. So with the the, I think we have like over 150, well, before this, we had over 150 million Americans that didn't have dental insurance coverage. And now it just added to that pool with the 30 million Americans that, that have retired early in 2020. And I believe that prob- that trend, I haven't looked at the quarter four of 2021 trends yet in regards to people retiring, but I'm sure that, that showing uh, another large increase of that because we've got the baby boomer generation that's huge that's starting mm-hmm. to retire, right? And th- they're, they're still alive. They need mm-hmm. dental care, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just because they retire doesn't mean they're out of the market. They still need uh, dental work done. And that's another market that I would be attracting all day, every day in, in, in regards to getting them signed up for membership programs. So that's how how the three kind of components, how mm-hmm. I would look at it in, in regards to continuing to grow a membership program. Cause, cause you're right. Some practices will go in, they'll get all excited and all hyped up about it. And they get initial attraction with their membership plan. And then maybe the office manager changes or mm-hmm. maybe they get another shiny object. Cause all of it, most humans have shiny object syndrome, right? Where they, they find a new cool idea and then they go do that for a little bit and they, they switch and then, you know, which is not the best strategy, but it happens. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it happens no, I, to all of us. <laughs> I get you. I, I get that all the time. But okay, so yeah, that's yeah, cool. I like that. I like that a lot. And rewind a little bit. You, we mm-hmm. talked. You mentioned the um, when you're creating your membership plan, some of the benefits to install in there, right? To create the mm-hmm. package, to create the membership. In your yeah. data and like expertise and everything, what have you seen the best things to implement in the membership package? Are you sharing this the video to everybody, or is this just going to be audio too? You want me to share it? I can uh, multiple versions. No, no, no. I, whatever, whatever you do, I was just. Let's do it. Uh, I have several things here. Let me show you. I can show you some of the best. That w- what's most common now, as membership programs have uh, kind of evolved in the industry, the, there's several different strategies you can do. I'll share my screen, and I can talk about a couple of different things. I think that would be like really beneficial to know, like the best benefits we can offer people and then the ones that you've seen not work so well, right? Where you're like, maybe we should stop offering this or putting yeah, it in the package. I'll, so in re, so this is actually extremely important. You should see this now. All right, we see it. And if anybody's we'll, listening we'll on the on the podcast, it's going to be in the show notes below. You can just yeah, uh, watch it on our YouTube. Sweet, yeah. So, so basically, this is a, a pretty basic example of what a membership program is mm-hmm. um, and, and the benefits. So all the bullet points are the benefits, but we'll, let's focus up top here in the area where it talks about pricing um, and pricing is going to vary. And I'll, I'll, I'll uh, show you guys some interesting stats on what we're finding the most successful practices are doing in pricing and a formula that we've c- come up with to basically know that you're in, in the healthy zone of pricing. <laughs> gotcha. So, so basically for yearly subscriptions, you're, you're seeing an example is like $300 a year. Uh, on average, we're seeing in our platform between $350 and $400 per year now. When I started uh, helping practices create membership programs, the popular, fee, the popular subscription was $199. With inflation and the costs and just everything that's happened over the past 
six years, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you, I don't think you want to be at 199 unless you're doing a discount only plan, which I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but this is what typically comes in a standard membership program or a membership profi plan is a lot, a lot of people say in the industry. So mm-hmm. a, co- a comprehensive exam, that could be one or two, uh, an annual exam, a emergency exam, two cleanings, two oral cancer screenings, two fluoride treatments, four bite wing x-rays, any individual x-rays needed through the year, right? Mm-hmm. Full mouth, series of x-rays, 50% off 3D imaging, 15% off additional cleanings, dental fillings, uh, fillings core buildups, oral surgery, root canals, 10% off crowns, veneers, uh, perio, dentures, partials, implants, $1,000 off Invisalign, and $300 of zoom whitening. Now all that can be customized, but that's pretty standard what we're seeing uh, mm-hmm. in the industry. If, if you're going to charge monthly, you know, 30, $35 per patient per month uh, is, is appropriate. Some practices will do a one-time enrollment fee, which is important because they can utilize that uh, one-time transaction as a bonus to incentivize their team members to sign up patients. Um, so I wouldn't go over a $99 one-time enrollment fee, meaning they're paying $30 a month plus a hundred dollar enrollment fee. Right. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go over a hundred bucks. Um, just cause I've never seen like a thousand dollar enrollment fee. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I it's, it's just patients won't buy that. Um, especially yeah. cause I guess it's just an enrollment fee. You're really gouging us. Um, <laughs> but you know, 25, 35 to 50 bucks, uh, for an enrollment fee is great. And if you can take a portion or all of that to incentivize your team members uh, when they sign up membership patients, that's what I would suggest that fees for. It's not a fee to make uh, a bunch of revenue on it's It's a fee to incentivize your team. That's how I would do it. If I were running a dental practices, a dental practice and a, a, the practices that have incentivize their team that way are growing really well. <laughs> what have so. you seen like as far, or does it depend on the state or like where it's like, Hey, 30 bucks enrollment fee. And then, you know, or no. Yeah. It depends on the state. That's why I say anywhere from anything under a hundred dollars is, is good for an enrollment fee. Um, a lot of people um, I'd have to look at the, what the actual trends are with that. But just for me speaking, seeing what people are doing in plans, I'd say between 25 and $50 are, are pretty common to do enrollment fee. Yeah, because yeah. that's and, pretty brilliant. And, yeah, and you want to, and again, the primary reason for that is to compensate <laughs> and motivate, incentivize your team that's helping you grow it. You don't want them thinking that they are growing it for you and there's no benefit for them. For them. Uh, you want to have a win-win approach with your team because they are the ones that are going to be growing it on your behalf right? I'm speaking to you practice owners. Mm -hmm. So you want to incentivize people. Plus it's so fun to incentivize people when they achieve things that help your business and you, you know, give some bonuses or whatever you do. Some people will pool that the enrollment fees and do like a company party each month, depending on how they've grown their membership plan. It just all depends on your culture, your style of running your business. But man, there's nothing more fun than rewarding an employee when they've helped your business grow. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's just my mindset and how I think about it. Uh, it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It is. Yeah. Oh, so I, I think that's brilliant. Like I never thought about doing that until right now, like adding an enrollment yeah. fee, something minimal, not like a thousand dollars. Right. No, no, and no. then <laughs> at the same time, like here's your first, your, uh, your first, uh, payment or like, this is how it's going to be throughout the year. Right. And then, yeah. Like, what have you had to take out from this list where you're like, oh, this didn't really perform or it doesn't perform that well. Yeah, so a lot of practices will, well, number one, when a membership program is not performing well, there's several reasons why. Mm-hmm. Often the practice tends to overprice the membership plan. And um, so it all becomes pricing. In regards to benefits, I, I wouldn't say that a certain benefit you know, makes a program fail or not. There's some, there's some people that the practice that, that will offer certain unique benefits that none others do. And they probably have some the same results, you know, and they're trying to be unique and different, right. But they have the same results. So I wouldn't say um, like a benefit would make or break a plan. It all boils down to the pricing. And 
obviously you shouldn't be price oriented. You should be value focused when you're selling these membership programs. Mm -hmm. And I can have some, I have some tips there, but a lot of the times practices are price oriented when they're pitching a membership program to a patient, which is, which is great. I think obviously discounts have their place, Mm -hmm. but when, when discounts are strategically talked about, they have their place, not just any type of discount. That's, that's one reason why I do like membership programs because it, it kind of puts it into a framework in regards to, in regards to sales, right? Mm-hmm. When you're selling a membership program to a patient, but a lot of the times practices will overprice a membership plan. That's what will, that's typically what break, what breaks it because, and it all depends. There's no one price that works for every, though the industry, right? It, it fluctuates from state to state to city to city. There's so many details. Uh, if you're in a, uh, and the, here's the reason the other day, one of my customer success representatives came into my office and they're like, I have a practice I'm working with. They're in a high or a low population, high poverty situation. And they've priced their membership program like somebody in California, let's say a higher, a lot of places in California have a high fee, high Mm -hmm. population, (laughs) right? Yeah. So this practice is like, yeah, we just want to do what everyone else is doing, right? Not knowing your demographics will definitely make or break your membership program. So let me say, let me say this. I can show you. Let me switch. Uh, let me switch here. I think I have another slide here. When I talk about demographics, it's really easy to find demographics. But our team has a, a formula that they use in the back end of Boom Cloud. So you want to know your the population of your city, right? So this example here is a city here in Utah, Springville, Utah, which is a smaller city here in Utah, thirty three thousand. People live in it. Mm-hmm. The median age is 25. A lot of that, a lot of those people are still on their their parents' insurance, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, but a, a lot of them in what six months, you know, they're they're going to be off and in the market for some type of insurance plan, mm-hmm. which could include dental, right? So, but if you if you look at this in Springville, Utah, their their median income is sixty nine thousand dollars a year in annual income. And then you got the poverty level. You want to know these demographics no matter where you're at. This will help you price your membership program. So it's priced in a way where the average person can afford it in your city or county or whatever you're doing or multiple counties, right? So that's, mm-hmm. that's, this is uh, our insights here. We have, we've looked at the top 10 growing, growth membership programs and the top 10 practices that have the largest membership counts, meaning active patients on their membership program. We looked at all this data inside uh, of the Boom Cloud platform, and we found that the most successful practices had a a pricing range. I don't know if this, they did this on on purpose. I don't think so. I think it it happened uh, on accident and we found the trends, right? So we Mm -hmm. see that there's a pricing percentages from the median income of, of a city or state, right? So you, this is a proven process right here where between 0.3%, so not even a percent, 2.5%, so not even a percent of the median income. So this is what's happening in the industry. The most successful practices price their membership program off of the median income of their city or county. And that percentage to get the pricing is between 0.3 and 0.5%, right? So in this example here, this practice, their, their sweet spot for price in their membership program, the range is anywhere from $207 a year to $386 a year in their, in their subscription. Does that make sense? That's, that's really what makes or break a, a membership program is not knowing the demographics of your city or the counties that you're marketing to. If you don't know that, a lot of the times they're overpriced. So in this example of the, the, uh, this customer success rep of mine that came to me and was mm-hmm. all stressed out wanting to help this practice they said, we looked at the, the data here and said, these guys are way overpriced. The reason why they're not growing is because they're in a high, a low population, a high poverty market with the average or the median income was like $33,000 a year. And they were charging $400 a month for the membership program. Right. So yeah. price priced out of that market. Right. So that I think is the biggest thing that happened to practices is they don't understand their demographics where they're at. Now, most big cities we found if you're in a big city of a million 
population of a million or more, you can actually get away with, with like a 1% off of the median income of that potential patient base in the city. Mm-hmm. Right? So the bigger a city gets, you can bump up those percentages to increase the pricing. And because of the volume of people, you'll, find, you'll have enough to, of the people that are willing to pay the higher pricing to have a very successful membership program. So that's kind of how I think about it. And I look about it, look at it each day. My team is trained on researching demographics and understanding how to pro, uh, you know, properly price a membership plan, whether it's a high poverty, low, uh, uh, a high poverty, low population uh, demographic, you can still generate healthy recurring revenue if it's priced accordingly to the demographics. That would be the biggest issue in regards to not growing yeah. a membership program. But man, this is, this is gold right here. No. Yeah. Because so what we should be looking at is, I mean, like you said, the demographics, right? The median income. And then yeah. for example, from that point on, it's always going to be between 3.3 to 0.5. Right. And then we want to yeah, make it, sure. I, yeah. I would say with populations under a million, that's the standard. If it's, if it's a population of a million or more, citizens in the in the population you can be a little bit more aggressive and and I, i've seen the with populations that have a million plus the range are 0.8 to 1.2 percent of the median income should mm-hmm. be what uh what the uh what the pricing should be on a membership plan now that is with a membership program that that offers cleanings and exams i mentioned earlier that there's uh, discount only subscription membership plans that are happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, and those typically are good for the, the low population, high poverty areas, because they need, they need some type of discount. And what that looks like is, is a patient pays 20 bucks a month, whatever the, I, I'm just making up a number here, yeah. 20 bucks a month, and they get 15 or 20% off any procedure in the office. So there's no cleanings or anything included in that package. Right, that's one thing that is happening um, in certain areas. I, I don't recommend that in all areas, but it is something that that uh, is a is a trend that's it's been trending upwards um, in certain areas. And the cool thing I do like about those types of plans is they're not tied to anybody's time, mm-hmm. which makes it one hundred percent passive income for a practice. So um, it just between those two trends, the the membership. Uh, the traditional membership plan where there's there's exams and things attached to it that they get for free. And that's air quotes. I'm saying for free because it's included in the plan. Yeah. Um, and then there's the discount only subscription plans that we're seeing that aren't tied to hygienist or doctor time, which results in that passive, that 100% passive income for the practice. So that's what I'm seeing. Those are the two things that we're seeing. And then obviously there's like perio plans. There's there's plans for children. There's lots of different scenarios out there that you can build for the practice, depending on your strategy and your demographics. <laughs> That's the key is the demographics. Like for example, I'm here in Lehigh where this is a huge tech scene. There's a lot of large tech companies here from Adobe mm-hmm. to Podium. And then if you look at the dental space, there's a lot of, of dental tech companies from dental intelligence to boom cloud. I got to throw us in there yeah. uh, <laughs> to uh, weave. Weave is just, if you look at my window here, weave is just across the highway here from wow. me. Uh, so solution reaches down the street. So um, uh, in the, in Lehigh, Utah, the, the median income is like 106 K a year because of these big businesses coming in. And uh, practices here can afford to, you know, charge a higher percentage to get attract patients to their membership program. So it's all on the demographics. And if you if somebody says, "Oh yeah, this is what the the average," uh, and, and, we, and we used to do this, we learned the hard way because we had practices come to us from all over. We say, "Hey, this is what the average practice is doing on our platform," yeah. which is great insight on my company and and the the. The average practice, what the average practice is doing, that's great insight. But what really matters is knowing your specific demographics. That I think is the key to success. The first key, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then marketing. You got to market marketing to those demographics, right? It's even more important to yeah. uh, drive growth. So yeah, no, I like what you said though. Like we want to start off with the internal marketing, right? Like your own practice, checking it out, seeing all those people. Um, when it comes to demographics, finding mm-hmm. all that out, 
How would you recommend we go about doing that? There's lots of free resources online. If you just Google your city, your state, and demographics, you can see that. Now, not all of them will be extremely accurate. They may be one or two years behind. So maybe you can throw 10% on top of it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but most likely, there'll be enough to make a good decision in regards to pricing a membership plan. But there, there's all sorts of websites. In addition to that, there's a fair healthconsumer.org, which I think is a great resource. Uh, you can type your zip code in, in that website and it's going to pull up the UCR fees, what you're going to charge at a network for uninsured patients. Mm-hmm. And that's, I would definitely use that because a lot of practices probably has been five or 10 years and they haven't increased their pricing. Using fairhealthconsumer.org uh, will help a practice understand in their zip code where their pricing should be at. And, and that site has done a lot of research on what's what's trending in a certain zip code. So I think that's another great resource to look at to make sure that all of your, your services that you're offering are priced at a healthy price point. Because, I mean, when I managed my dad's dental lab, it seemed like practices never increased their pricing. That should be done every year. And we actually help a lot of our, our, a lot of practices in our platform. One of the, one of the services that our customer success team does is help the practice be strategic with demographics and the fair health consumer uh, website, understand how they should charge or increase their, their fees and their membership fees, right? Cause they're, they're all tied together. Yeah. But um, that's a resource that I, I would recommend. Um, but Google is, is easy to use. You can type in your city and zip code and get in the word demographics after it. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty easy to find. Gotcha. But okay. I know, I know, I know lots of people don't have the time. And my our team, when when we're working with practices, you know, to set up membership plans and, and our on our platform, our team, uh, they they have a process they follow that gets all that information for them. Yeah. I want to ask, what in your experience have you seen is like the wrong way to pitch a membership? program to the internally to a patient and the right way? I think the, the wrong way is to, to back to my point of focusing on price and in the words mm-hmm. cheap or discount. I like the word savings. They essentially mean the same thing, savings and cheaper discount. Mm-hmm. But savings is, I think, a little bit more elegant <laughs> in yeah. regards to your presentation. Uh, we help you save. You don't want to use the word discount or cheap because it makes you sound like a cheap office. And I would say for the most part, majority of offices aren't trying to attract those type of demographics. Mm-hmm. So I would say in regards to pitching it, that's wrong. One thing that a lot of practices do when they're presenting maybe treatment that a patient may need, they're not using the membership program uh, to use, the, you know, that use contrast with in, in regards to saying, hey, if you sign up to, to our membership program today, you'll actually save 20% on this crown you need today. Would you like to sign up, right? So a lot of practices forget to use it as a case acceptance tool, which with our data, we, we've seen that membership programs when installed properly and presented properly uh, in regards to case acceptance and, and treatment planning, patients tend to spend three times more with the practice when they become a member versus the non-members. So one of the, my favorite things about creating a membership program is, is creating predictable recurring revenue, mm-hmm. which is, which is a business model that every practice should shoot for because cash flow is king in any type of business. And hopefully that's, that sounds obvious, but if you want, if you want to go to Hawaii and you got a mature membership program uh, and it, it's pumping 40K a month, 50K a month into the practice, whether you do dentistry or not, that's the business model you should be shooting for so that it's not all tied to your hands and you get worn out by, you know, by the, the older you get running your practice. So that's the first thing I, why I like membership programs. The second thing is what I just said before that was mm-hmm. the three time members spend three times more with the practice. When yeah. you install a membership program, you are enabling a better patient profile or a better patient persona, if you will, mm-hmm. marketing speak here. So mm-hmm. um, meaning patients, let's, I mean, we'll do, usually when I'm on a webinar or, or a live webinar, I ask a question, who has Amazon Prime? I'm guessing you do, 
Michael, yeah, do you have Amazon do. Prime? Okay, so yeah. do I. When you became a member to Amazon, did you start getting a package on the porch every day like me? <laughs> uh, like every other i had i had to like chill out about that actually but every other every other month or so yeah this is called the membership effect most people at least my wife she's always getting packages i, I say it's my package it's it's but it's my wife she's the yeah, yeah, yeah. packages uh-huh. it's called the membership effect amazon did a case study as well and found that member uh amazon prime members spent two times more than uh, just a regular user on on Amazon, right? So it's the membership effect. Members buy more because they feel like there's more in it for them, and they're more committed to buy, right? And if if you think about it on the on the dental side, and we've done uh, studies on this all all the time, the membership program works even better in dentistry because a lot of people understand that they prioritize their healthcare. People want to be healthy. They understand mm-hmm. that to live a a quality life is a healthy life. And uh, your teeth, you use every day to speak, to smile, to eat. And if, your te- if you're having problems with teeth, people are mo- more motivated to spend money on their teeth, especially when they become a member of a membership program. So that's why we're seeing the three times more revenue spent with the practice uh, when a patient becomes a member. So you get the recurring revenue and then you get even more revenue because of that commitment that uh, membership programs install in the patient's mindset. Yeah. So that's kind of two of the, my favorite things, you know, of what membership programs do to practices. Yeah. You're hundred percent right, man. That it really worked. I was like, I would think about two months ago, one of our editors was like, Hey Mike, um, I know we do a lot of like, that's all we do. Right. It was interview dentists, talk about dentistry and stuff like that. He's like, do you know a dentist yeah. out in Oregon who can help me with a, a situation that I got going on primarily if they have a membership plan. And I was like, uh-huh. Oh snap, this guy knows about this stuff, you know, like, and, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was really. And so people are becoming a lot more aware of it. They want to be a part of it. And he, he signed up with uh, the, de- uh, one, he was actually a guest in our podcast. He signed up with that dentist and continued to, to work with him and stuff and is continuing to, you know, do a lot of yeah. great things. But I thought that was interesting. It made me think like, man, like there's a lot of people out there who kind of need some type of membership, not only because the practice owner wants to start getting rid of insurance, right? Because if you look at it, like, I like how another uh, dentist put it and how you put it. It's like, it's like you're paying a marketing firm for, they're taking a percentage of yours, not for a little bit, but forever, right? Like this is it until you decide to drop them. And so I was like, that's true. It's a marketing expense. PPOs, the insurance is a marketing expense. That's how I look at it. Yeah. You know, look at all the write-offs that they're, you know, it's, it's ridiculous how much, if I, I wish I could remember how much the average write-off is, but it's, it's kind of, it's ridiculous. It makes me throw up. <laughs> um, when I hear it every, t- every time, every <laughs> time, yeah. every time I hear it, I'm like barf. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, um, but, but yeah, to your point, patients are becoming more aware of membership programs for in the dental industry. And to, on the other side of that, in regards to like selling your practices, people that the pra- future practice owners and maybe even DSOs are looking for practices that have a solid membership program. It's a it's a, a business strategy that the DSOs and other other people that are wanting to buy practices they look at as a as a positive quality in a dental office uh, to to acquire. I know if I were to start up or even buy a dental practice myself. The requirement, well, if they don't have a membership program, that's the first thing I would install because mm-hmm. I know how much how much value that brings to on the business side of things. Because predictable recurring revenue in regards to business valuation has a multiplier effect versus one-time transactional revenue has a discounted effect when in, in regards mm-hmm. to valuation. So that's another thing to keep in mind in the long term. If you're wanting to exit your practice, meaning sell it to somebody else, one way to in- increase the value tremendously is building a healthy membership program that automatically brings in revenue every month or every year uh, because of the multiplier effects of the recurring revenue that's, that is installed. That's good, man. Awesome. Yeah. Jordan, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, wanted more information, wanted to know a little bit more about Boom Cloud and things like that, where can they reach out to you? Yeah. So just go to boomcloud.com. Uh, that's our website. There's a ton of free resources resources on there. We've got a book. 
you can download that talks about creating and growing a membership program. We have a ton of courses from uh, how to fire the PPOs and our PPOs, the devil <laughs> type uh, <laughs> courses <laughs> uh-huh. that talk about that talk about cutting out strategies of 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 working with insurance companies and installing membership programs. Uh, we've got the Boom Cloud University that is a free uh, course that talks about um, creating and growing a membership program in. I think we have like six modules sections that yeah, have like units. multiple chapters. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. tons from from membership basics to like legal contracts. What you need to have with a membership program, how to market it, how to manage it. Uh, there's lots of different components to a membership program. It goes a lot deeper than what most people uh, probably initially think. But yeah, boomcloud.com. What I recommend everyone go on there. There's a pink button, or at least the time of this recording, there's a big pink button that says <laughs> schedule a demo. If you do that, our team can do a more customized approach to what a membership program powered by BoomCloud can do for your practice. Awesome. So guys, that's all going to be in the show notes below. And definitely like take a look at your practice, right? Review it, l- see where you can be implementing this. I mean, I think it's it's kind of like social media a little bit. Like it's not like you're not doing it. I think it's just like you're falling behind now. You know what I mean? By not doing yeah. it. It's so yep. you need to get on, on board and start doing this. And I thought that was brilliant. Like you said, like have that small enrollment fee, incentivize your, your yeah. so, and then everybody's happy. I mean, that's, that was brilliant. So continue to do that guys. And if, if you have any questions or concerns, go in the show notes below, definitely reach out to Jordan. Jordan, thank you for being with us, man. It was a pleasure. We'll hear yeah, from you soon. dude. <laughs> Rock on. <laughs> Jordan, thank you so much for being with us on this episode. We truly appreciate it. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate you listening to the podcast. If you want, guys, definitely join my newsletter. I'm sending you guys an email maybe every other week right now. Um, And it's just information about strategies, right? Uh, It's information about these episodes. And um, we are just a place where you and I can talk more one-on-one. It's going to be the first link in the show notes below if you want to join my newsletter. I'm not going to spam you or anything like that. It's just a way for me to communicate with you even more um, because I'm stepping back a lot from uh, social media and I just really want to focus more on one-on-one connections with you guys through our email. So definitely join the email newsletter. I'm just going to put a link there that says join my newsletter, join my email list, and you guys can, can find it. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I truly appreciate it. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.